the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are about to listen to Signpost, a thought that points us back to God. My mother was a homemaker, not a college professor. Nevertheless, in her bones, she knew the answer to Professor Samuel Elliott Morrison's historic questions. He asked how many countries have won their independence, how many have secured their freedom. We secured our freedom because we were a people who learned to love the law. My mother insisted that the policeman was my friend. He upheld the law for my good. Although she may not have known that the Bible shaped the minds and formed the hearts of our founding fathers, she rejoiced to live in a country that they created. If we banish the Bible from public places, will we become a very different public? Independence freed us to experience freedom of worship, and biblically informed worship made us a freedom-loving people. I am Pastor William Boylan. This is an American Signpost. Visit PastorBoylan.com to learn more about how history instructs our country's way back to God. That's PastorBoylan.com. Welcome to Signpost. Signposts has been posing one question. How can America's past shed light on her future? Join Signpost host, Pastor William Boylan, and his son, author Andrew Boylan, as they visit America's foundation to understand better what's happening in the world today. Get ready to hear about America's beginnings, as you have probably never heard before. Now, let's join Signpost. Welcome to Signpost. I'm Pastor William Boylan. This is Signpost. I'm really excited this afternoon. Uh, Normally, my son, Andrew, is here as a co-host, but today, uh, Andrew has a conflict, and his sister, Alexandra Boylan, is here with me, and she's a movie maker. She has made uh, two faith-based films. She's got a couple in the works, and we want to talk about that and talk about faith-based film. But uh, welcome, Alexandra, to today's broadcast. Thanks, Dad. It's good to be here. I'm excited to be your co-host for the day. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you. Uh, Let me take a minute, Alexandra, and uh, remind our our listeners just why we call this signpost. Uh, God is real, and God is active, and God announces the fact in the Bible that he gives signs. In fact, uh, Jesus made, or condemned, I guess that's a better way to put it, he condemned the leaders of the nation in his day because they couldn't see the signs of the times. He says, you see the signs in the sky, you know if it's going to be good day tomorrow, a bad day, and of course we up here in New England, up here in the Boston area, uh, we have the ocean beside us, and we know that the old saying is, red sky in morning, sailor take warning, red sky in evening, uh, uh, it's okay to get out there and, and uh, get in your boat. Uh, we know that. but And so it was true in ancient times in Israel when Jesus was here among us that uh, there was an, uh, a way in which people could tell the weather without having the weather channel. Now, uh, uh, but Jesus said, you, you see all of that, and you're very up-to-date on these signs, but you don't see the signs of the times. 
And I would suggest to you that what Jesus was really saying to them is, you don't know who I am, because Jesus is the sign. He is the great sign that God has sent into the world. In fact, uh, we don't want to make this a Bible study on the book of Isaiah. Uh, We want to talk about movies and uh, faith-based movies, but it might be wise to remember as we begin that uh, in ancient times when Isaiah was alive and the king of Israel whose name was Ahaz, was frightened to death that the nation might be invaded and that the Assyrians might take it over. And it was also possible that the northern tribes of Israel might even be in league with or in agreement with the uh, northern nations, the Gentiles, and help them to conquer Judah, Jerusalem in the south. And, uh, And Isaiah was speaking for God when he said, oh, ask Ask a sign. Ask the Lord a sign. Ask a sign in order to comfort you. And that was the point. In order, in order, Ahaz, that you might know that God is really with you. And uh, Ahaz says, I won't do it. I won't ask for a sign. And Isaiah, again, speaking for the Lord, says, you weary men, are you going to weary your God also? Okay. You won't ask for a sign. I'll give you a sign. The sign is this. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. You'll call his name Emmanuel. And before he's able to tell good from bad, before he's able to talk even, uh, those nations you're worried about will be long gone. That's my sign to you. Well, God gives signs. He, He announces his presence. He tells us what to look for. And so we have chosen, uh, Andrew and I, as we do this uh, regularly, to talk about signposts. And I just wanted to be clear as we begin today with Alexandra and the whole movie industry and the presentation of the faith through film, I wanted just to be clear with uh, you who are listening that that's why we call it signpost, because we believe God makes himself known and he is interested in us following him. I mean, why did Jesus say, follow me, if he didn't want us to? And how can we follow him unless we have some signs to go by? We don't just we don't just get on the highway and drive and hope for the best. We follow the signs. And the signs take us to where we're heading. It's the same thing with the faith. We have signs to go by. And so we call this broadcast signpost because, because again, we're trying to discern in a, in, a, in a sober way. In other words, not be uh, fanciful about it, but we're trying to discern what God's doing among us as Americans. So often uh, we call it even American signpost. Well, with that said, Alexandra, welcome again. Uh, welcome to today's broadcast. Thank uh, you. Uh, glad you're here. And I had a question for you. I thought we might start it out, and it's a good question. And it's one that I have, and I think that others listening may have it too. Uh, what's what's gone on? What has happened to Hollywood that they would approach you, and they did, uh, to make a faith-based film? What's what's can, tell us what uh, how you see it from out there on the uh, West Coast. <laughs> from the West Coast. First off, I think that the audience for faith-based has always been there. I just think that um, when God's Not Dead came out and broke box office record, Hollywood 
I hate the word Hollywood because it really stands for a whole bunch of people. I mean, this is Hollywood is based on people. It's not really like Hollywood, but everyone calls it Hollywood. But it's just a bunch of people in rooms making decisions. And um, I feel like the word Hollywood sounds like it's like the Wizard of Oz, where there's like some Oz behind a black curtain. And that's not really true. It's a whole bunch of different people making choices. But I feel like Hollywood or people who work in Hollywood want to make money. Money is always a driving force. So when God's Not Dead came out, and that was sort of an independently driven film, made tons of money. And Hollywood said, oh, my gosh, there's an audience for faith-based films. I don't think the audience ever was not there. I think people weren't making films for that audience that were getting mainstream attention in the movie theater. So now Hollywood is picking up and wanting more faith-based films because I think they want to make money. But I actually think, too, that a lot of content right now that's coming out that even says it's for families isn't even for kids. So even people who do not believe in God are watching and bringing home faith-based films because they're the only clean product they can have their kids watch. Tell us a little bit. Tell our audience as uh, listening to us uh, a little bit about your own experience. I mean, you've produced two films now, Catching Faith and Wish for Christmas. Fill us in on how that all happened. And, and don't neglect to tell us, if people want to see those films, what are they going to see? I think God called me to make faith-based films. I think this is what God wants because it wasn't something I was going after. And then I got the opportunity to do it. And it just felt, I really believe that that's what God wanted me to do. And I think that um, whenever there is... A uh, way to capitalize on financial benefits, you're going to have a lot of non-believers jumping on board and making faith-based films. <laughs> and I think God probably is going to call the people who are like, well, you really have a heart for me. Therefore, you can make a film and really talk and speak the truth instead of non-believers who come in and make faith-based films because they want to capitalize on the money. And then they're really the message is watered down and they don't really know how to tell the message because they aren't believers. I mean, I know some people uh, personally, who are not believers who make faith-based films because they want to make a lot of money. But then you watch those films, and I feel like people think Christians are not wise people, and they could watch a movie and think, oh, that's for me because you called it faith-based. I think God knows we need more people who are truly filmmakers and truly Christians making movies, telling stories to represent the faith Well, tell us, tell us what, fill me in on what you would like to tell me about this whole experience and uh, like to tell our audience in terms of uh, your, what you've what you've experienced as a filmmaker and uh, what excites you. Well, I'm excited to make women-driven stories because I feel like a lot of films are geared to men. Uh, that's just the history of filmmaking in the world, and uh, so it's exciting to me to especially be in faith-based as a female filmmaker because there aren't a lot. A female-driven faith-based films or created by female. Um, so I do believe that God called me as a woman to step into that arena and take over. And that excites me. It excites me to tell women's stories from women perspectives as opposed to women's stories from male perspectives. Because sometimes when I'll watch a movie, I can tell a guy wrote it. <laughs> if it's about a woman, <laughs> that's what a guy's perspective of what he thinks a woman thinks is. And why our team is with two women and a man, because you need to have men and women telling stories, because I don't know how a man thinks. I'm a woman. 
So we have a man, John Katie Graham, who writes. and um, But it's been really excited right now because we're about to go to Cuba because we were invited to do a movie tour. We got a call from India. We've gotten calls from South Africa. And I think women all over the world are relating to Catching Faith and excited to see a movie that speaks to them about a woman that is dealing with stuff that women are dealing with on an everyday basis. And so that really excites me when we get messages from women who said that it spoke to them or changed their, changed their life. So Catching Faith. And Catching Faith is on Netflix, which is really incredible because that means that millions and millions of people in America have watched Catching Faith because 39 million subscribe to Netflix. Wow. So I, that's, I think it's 39 million. My goodness. Or something like that. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but uh, social media, this whole idea yep. of the the ability to spread the message far and wide and fast is really is mind-boggling. Mm. Uh, the, and movies are such incredible ways to spread the message because you're inside somebody's home. Well, that's it. That's it. Uh, well, let me let me ask. Uh, oh, let me make an observation and then ask a question on the basis of that. Because when you said that about women making movies f- that women can relate to, because you can talk the language, okay, I say that you know you know what you're talking about as a woman, and women know you know what you're talking about when they see the film or they feel the thing. Yeah, uh, th- th- it's true in a lot of areas. I think about uh, the representation, maybe more in television than in movies, of how pastors have been represented, you know, in storylines and what have mm-hmm. you. And it really, if you really knew, uh, if you really knew the church on the inside, and you knew most pastors, uh, it bears these these representations bear no resemblance to reality. Uh, it's a stereotype. Right. I think that's the best way to put it. A stereotype of what somebody thought a pastor should do, be, look like, whatever you want to call it. Which is it. why I casted a very, very good-looking man to play a pastor <laughs> in Wish for Christmas. Do you know that? Well, yeah. Well, I, Jeff Schroeder. Jeff Schroeder from Big Brother, if you guys have seen Big Brother, and he's now a host on the Daily Blast Live. Jeff Schroeder plays Pastor Paul in Wish for Christmas, and I actually did that on purpose because of the stereotype that they always cast older men. And I'm like, my pastor in California is a young, very attractive man, you know? And I, I hate that stereotype. So that was one thing I wanted to fight against. Yeah, but uh, when you're you're doing the same thing by breaking the mold, breaking the mold. and and uh, <laughs> presenting it, yeah, yeah, yep. And I just, I mean, one of the things that happened with catching faith and what, when your questions earlier and just talking about why is faith based, like I said. I think faith-based is doing well because it's the only content people can get that's actually clean. And uh, when I showed Catching Faith in Wisconsin, we had a lot of people come up to us at the end of the screening saying, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, but I take my kids to these movies because I know that I that I can enjoy the film and not be worried that they're going to say or do something inappropriate. So I think that's why they're right now, they're doing so well, is because everybody can trust that it's not going to be inappropriate. Or even like nowadays, even films that are made by Disney, not always trustworthy. They'll always have an innuendo or something that, you know, you don't want your kids to see. You just want them to get to see. I mean, when we were kids, the movies came out. It wasn't so, there weren't so, you had the option of family friendly. Even Father of the Bride with Steve Martin. I watched that the other day. I don't remember what year Father of the Bride came out, but it was a family film, and there is nothing wrong with it. But if that movie was made in the year 2017, it would be filled with swearing and filled with other stuff. 
why that's happened. I don't know why our why we've created such dark content is again. But it's gonna it's gonna be a sw- now the pendulum is swinging the other direction, and now I think people are saying no. I want clean entertainment. I'm sick of all the junk and all the darkness. So, well, as a as a pastor, as a Bible teacher, I have uh, some hopefully some insight into that. Uh, God is shrewd. He created us to know him. He made us to bear his image. He has a plan for the world. God is not staggering around trying to figure out something to do or something that might work. No, he knew from the day he began uh, by calling forth light, because that's the first thing he did. Let there be light. There was light. And from there, everything else came forth. Uh, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And one of the uh, basic bottom lines that we tend to forget, we we uh, Christians even, far less persons that haven't really grappled with what, why is there a Bible and what is it getting at? I mean, it, you know, it's mysterious to many people, and I understand that. But uh, the biblical uh, idea is that uh, uh, for rational people who have been given by the grace of God minds and not just instincts, who can think things through and can think the thoughts, and this is a marvelous thing, think the thoughts of God after him. The strategy, it seems to me, of the Lord in producing this kind of creature, man, man and woman, in, in doing that, he brings suffering in, and, and it's his doing. I've, I'm a big I'm a student of the book of Revelation, and I'm not looking in Revelation, by the way, for signs, not like we talk about on signposts. In other words, signs of the end and all that. No, what I'm looking for is the unveiling of the mind of God. That's what Revelation, I think, really is. It, it is Jesus had the mind of his Father. When When you read the account, Jesus says, I don't do anything I haven't seen my father doing, and I don't say anything I haven't heard him saying. Uh, Jesus had insight. He knew his father's mind. And I'm talking about Jesus not in his divinity. He was. Jesus is the God, the Son. He created the world. He created everybody in the world. Jesus is really the incarnation of the creator. There's nothing less. And he did that Periodically in his ministry, he gave a blind man his eyes. He he did things that a creator does. So he, but he also was truly human, and in that way, he limited himself. He limited himself in knowledge. He didn't know when the end was coming. He limited himself in strength. He got tired. He limited himself purposely, and he suffered. He endured suffering. Uh, and that's because uh, we will endure suffering, and but out of a suffering in God's strategy comes insight. It's a suffering that gives us insight and understanding. Uh, there's a reason why the first book of the Bible, and I don't mean the first in the sequence, the first book of the Bible in the sequence of books is Genesis. I know that. But the first book written was Job. And there's a reason. Because it's the basic bedrock bottom line of the Bible, at least I I think so. And that is that Job suffered what we would say irrationally. He had no explanation. God didn't come down and say, you're going to suffer, Job. Now, this is a reason, you know. No, he didn't tell him. He just suffered. He lost his family. He lost his farm. He lost his fortune, one after the other. And when he got done, you know what Job said? 
this turned out for my good because I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see who you are. <laughs> his mm-hmm. sufferings opened his eyes. His sufferings opened his eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, why, and now, I didn't go off on a tangent, by the way, by <laughs> saying that. No, it may have sounded. But what I was thinking about is your films. Your films are not strictly evangelistic. Uh, no. And, no. They are eye-opening. That's right. We ask the, questions. We don't yeah. have a desire to convert people to Christianity. We believe we're talking to Christians. So if you're talking to Christians, I'm not trying to convert the audience. It's watching my movie. I'm actually making a movie for believers. So, yeah, ours are more making a film, asking questions and letting the audience walk away and, and, and think about it. I mean, we're I mean, we're making family friendly, fun stuff, not so much suffering stuff. Somebody actually was talking to me this morning about making a film that was very dark. And I said, right now, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in doing the joy of Jesus, the joy of Jesus. And also, which is interesting, the juxtaposition between what you were just talking about with Job and suffering, but then also making sure that for me, I want to make sure that we're we're looking at the other side of the joy that comes from loving Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and and celebrating that. And something lately I've been really grappling with is uh, wanting to convey the compassion of Jesus. Jesus was so compassionate. And I feel like in my films, I really want to show compassion because we have such a different world if everyone's heart would really start with compassion for each other. And lately I've been really thinking a lot about that and just mm-hmm. really focusing on how compassionate Jesus was. Yeah. Well, uh, coming back to what I was saying, but I don't want the audience to misunderstand. When I'm talking about suffering, I'm not talking about just uh, brutality. I was thinking of your movies. Uh, that that uh, mother in Catching Faith was suffering because right. she was in a predicament. She, you know, she had right. her own goal and things were going awry yeah. and she couldn't keep she couldn't control it. She, right. She wanted she, to control the situation. Wouldn't you say she was an angst of some kind? She was definitely an angst. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet uh, your film takes her through to the resolution. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, well, it brings her to truth and lets her speak her truth so that she doesn't have to be an angst anymore right. because she's been hiding yeah. her truth. And isn't isn't wish for Christmas again this young woman's struggle? Well, yeah. Well, high school kids are all in angst, <laughs> right, Dad? Absolutely. <laughs> high schoolers are in angst twenty four seven. Poor, poor that eight, sixteen years old. I wouldn't want to be sixteen again because your whole life is complete angst, <laughs> slamming doors and being angry. And <laughs> so making a movie about a high school kid it just is angst. So yeah. <laughs> and yet your film really takes you through it uh, in, a, in, a, in a really, um, there's nothing phony about it. I mean, the, the thing works out in a way that it real, works out real life. And that that's great. That's so, true. You, so your films really are, as you said, they're not so much evangelistic trying to show a person how to come to faith. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. But no. that your film is really talking to people who have faith to bring some kind of clarity to the scene so that one— right. I would think that it would show a person they I'm not abnormal if I have these struggles. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. That's what we sit and talk about is what is what are everyday people struggling with every day or as a Christian um, telling the truth. Very hard thing to do. And we decided in Catching Faith it was going to be about telling the truth because, you know, it, we're so called to tell the truth. But in, it's a difficult thing to do. So we or with Wish for Christmas, you know, dealing with um, 
an angsty teenager who's not getting what she wants thinking, and I grew up an angsty teenager whose father was a minister, and all my friends were doing things that I wanted to do. And I thought, well, if my parents weren't Christians, then maybe I could do that. And that's how that whole idea stemmed for Wish for Christmas was actually out of my own feelings of what I thought I would get away with as a high school student, um, but then never really thinking what would the consequences have been had that actually happened to me. And that's what was fun with Wish for Christmas was exploring what if that did really happen and who would I be as a human being and who would my parents become if the light of Jesus Christ was removed from their heart. And that's what we explored. So, Yeah, because what happens when Jesus is removed from a heart is one has only himself or herself to fall back on. Exactly. And that's exactly what the parents do. They become completely self-centered. The they went yeah. from selfless to self-centered, yeah. which is a mirror of the character of the girl who is also self-centered. So it's a great way to show for her to see what she is like. She can't see herself until her parents become that. And then she's like, oh, I don't like that so much. <laughs> it's like a mirror. She gets to see what she looks like. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you've been listening to Signposts, and I'm talking with my daughter, Alexandra. Uh, she's, in a way, sitting in as a co-host, not just as an interviewee. Uh, normally, my son, Andrew, is here, and we have a discussion on on issues of the day and how the Christian mm-hmm. faith impacts them. And now uh, Alexandra and I have been talking about film because she's a filmmaker. She's made three, but two of them have been very focused on uh, the Christian life, the Christian faith, and how it works, and helping people who see the movie to really sort out for themselves what really is this faith in Christ all about on a practical level when people are living it. And mm. uh, they, uh, they've been wonderful films. So right now, we're going to take a break, but we will be back for more on this very interesting, I hope, and certainly productive discussion. Wonderful. Stay Great. tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 